Hallelujah. Okay, I'm on. We're live. All right, well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all here with us. Some of you I, I've never seen before, and we're glad that you're here for the first time with me today. Um, and many of you, of course, when I, we know and we see many weeks. Um, if you were with us last Sunday, we're just going to jump right in this morning about our message, Joy Chose Me. Um, last week I, I began a message and I thought it was just going to be for last week, but as I began preaching, um, I quickly realized that we were never going to get through all, all of the material, all of the scriptures that God had put on my heart to share about this topic of joy and how it chose us and came into our lives. And so this morning we're going to be going into part two of Joy Chose Me. Aren't you glad for that? And as we begin, why don't we just say a word of prayer over our time of studying the scripture and, uh, you know, teaching and, and preaching this morning and just believe for God to speak to us. Let's pray. Father God, we ask you to come in right now. We invite you into this service, into uh, this time where we study and, and look into your word. And God, we want you to reveal to our hearts your truth. In the way we need it today. Lord, open up our understanding. Give us uh, what we need for today. Your word is alive and powerful. And we believe that as we get into it, it comes alive to us. It is alive in our spirits and speaking actively to us today. It's not just words in an old book, Lord, but it is alive in your word being spoken to us this very day. And so we thank you for that. And I pray that you speak to all of our hearts this morning as we look into your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we're going on with this topic of joy and how it chose us and came into our life. And I, I just believe that this is such an important topic for us today because uh, joy is something we were created to have. We were created with a need for joy in our life. I believe God designed us that way because his original plan is that we were going to have joy by walking with him. Uh, being present and walking through life with him um, as Adam and Eve did in the garden would have been a joyful experience. And so as they had joy, it was feeling part of their designed um, nature. The way they were created was to have joy. And so uh, today we still have that same need in us. We have the same desire and design to be filled with joy. But unfortunately, uh, you know, because of the fall, not everyone is walking hand in hand with Jesus every day. And outside of presence with Jesus, outside of relationship with Jesus, there is also a lack of joy. And one of the problems I believe we see so much today is people that are trying to fill that need for joy, but what they're doing instead of filling it with Jesus in relationship with Him is, is trying to make up for it with something we call happiness. And last week, just to give you a quick summary of what we talked about, we discussed the difference between joy and happiness. We talked about how joy is something deep, it's weighty, it's lasting, it carries expectations with it, whereas happiness, it, we described it as like the rainwater that falls and then flows across the surface of the earth, whereas joy is like a deep well, reaches down deep. You can always go back to the well of joy to bring gladness up into your life. It sits in your heart, not on the surface. It's not based on your circumstances. It's not external in nature, but it's deep. It lives in your heart because that's where you've asked Jesus to come into and make things new, and where he re resides is where joy will be. And so that's kind of a, a brief synopsis of what we discussed last week and the differences between happiness and joy. Um, happiness, it is external, it is circumstantial, and it's, it's a great thing to have happiness in your life. Uh, but, but the more weighty, more uh, deep, and, and the kind of gladness that comes with joy is so much better. 
It's, it's, it's of God, not of our own works, not of our own uh, doing. And, and that was another quality that was different between happiness and joy. With joy, God brings it in. You know, joy isn't something we can work to earn for ourselves. We talked about how it's part of the gift of grace that we receive when we receive Jesus. It's not something we work to earn or produce for ourselves. It's something God gives and puts in our heart, whereas happiness is, I'm going to get it, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to make it. And, and so we see this difference in happiness and joy, that happiness is all on us, but joy is all on God. And isn't it better to take what's all on God? Because what he produces is perfect. And what we produce many times is flawed. And so we want God's kind of gladness. We want the gladness that comes with joy for our life. It's sustaining. It's, it's deep. It'll stick with us. And it will never fail us because Jesus never fails. So when we're, when we're drawing from his joy rather than some happiness we've produced for ourselves, it's always going to be there. It's steady. It's sustainable. Amen. Amen. So to go on, um, we, we did talk to about some of the qualities um, or, or places that we look to in Scripture, some of the things that Christ has done for us to guard our joy. Joy is something He gave, not something we earned. And so because it was part of the free gift given to us, our job now is to hold on to it. Our job now is to possess the joy that God gave us, not to continue producing more and earning more because we're not going to. But we need to guard and keep what God has given us. And then the other thing we need to look at doing is how do we release what's in my heart into my life? How do I release the joy that is on the inside and, and let it become something that affects my surroundings, the people around me, my mind, my will, my emotions? How do I take this gift on the inside and release it into my life? And so part of what we're looking at with this topic of joy chose me is we know joy came in. Joy chose us because Jesus chose to come and die for us. He chose us. We're looking, too, at how we release and how we guard the joy. We talked about guarding joy and how it's so essential that we do that. I told the story about my cousin Bella and my uh, younger brother Max, who's here this morning with us, and how at one of his birthday parties he had gotten this remote-controlled helicopter. He had been given a gift. And because the gift was not protected and guarded, when it was landed on the floor in the middle of our living room, Bella ran by, saw it, and stomped on it because she thought it was a, a bug. <laughs> and because the gift wasn't guarded, the gift was destroyed. And we know that we have an adversary named the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so our job with what God gives us is to guard it and then release it. Amen. And so that is what we're looking at this morning. And I wanted to start by going back to 1 Thessalonians 5.16, a very challenging two words of scripture that we read. It says, rejoice always. Man, what a challenge. Rejoice always. You know, I, as I read that this week in preparation, it made me think of um, something that occurred in my life this last spring. I was living in Harlan. I, I was owning a house, and I'd been fixing it up at the time. I had just put in a brand new uh, laminate floor. Um, you know, it had been a day's worth of work. I'd gotten this floor installed, and this spring we got a lot of rain. And it came while there was a lot of snow. And so we had a lot of water that all came at once. And I don't know if you remember in the news, but Western Iowa had a lot of flooding going on at the time. Well, my house was on a hill and the water came 
And the water came in, and the water ruined this brand new floor that I'd put in. And let me tell you, I was having a moment in my life where I was not rejoicing always. <laughs> I, I was rejoicing very little in that moment. And uh, Taylor, who's here with us this morning, she was with me that day. And I'm, you know, I'm throwing towels down trying to get this water sopped up. I've got a shop vac, and I'm going and emptying it and vacuuming it up again. I mean, it was this long process, and the whole time I'm just frustrated because this this project I put all this work and money into is ruined now because you get laminate wet and it just it it falls apart so I'm frustrated I'm, I'm mad I'm not very joyful I'm not very glad and Taylor was riding in the truck with me to go uh, pick up sand or something like that and and she goes Isaac you just just got to choose joy <laughs> let me tell you I didn't want to choose joy. And I didn't want anybody to tell me to choose joy. <laughs> and so then the, you know, the reciprocal situation was a few weeks later. She, she works as a nurse and she was being called in on a shift that she hadn't been scheduled to work. And she was a little upset that you know, these plans we had made for that evening were ruined because she had to go in and work. And she's just going on and I go, Taylor, choose joy. <laughs> And it, did, it didn't work out very well. So, <laughs> you know, as I, I think about those words, just choose joy, and how they fit into what we're talking about this morning, I think that choose joy is kind of a summary, or, or maybe the 2020 version of, of how we say what Paul wrote here in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Choose joy. Another way maybe we could say it is, don't let the devil take joy with this situation. Don't let the enemy steal what God's given you. Realize in this moment that though there are external circumstances and there's a situation that's trying to rob you of your gladness, rob you of your joy, it's up to you to hold on to it. It's up to you to hold what Jesus purchased and gave to you. It's part of grace. It's part of the free gift that we enjoy in relationship with Jesus. And when we value that gift of joy and we realize how, how fitting into our very design it is, we're going to hold on to it. We'll refuse to let the enemy or any circumstance that he may try to bring steal that away from us. Look, I, I don't like it when people try to steal from me. Do you? I don't want the devil to come in and take what I have. And I certainly don't want to let some, you know, coincidental, short-lived thing rob me of that gift. I, don't, I also, I don't want to sell that out so that I can have a moment of happiness. I value the gift. I value joy, and so I'm going to hold on to it. And so as I read uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 here, what I'm reading is rejoice always. Choose to keep your joy. Don't choose to go get joy because you won't. But choose to hold on to it. Choose to keep it. And I believe that is part of the encouragement we need for today. Is hold on to your joy. Keep the joy that Jesus gave you. I want us to read Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. Just because I believe this is, uh, you know, for me, it's one of the, the primary illustrations in the Bible about joy and how we hold on to it. It says, though the fig tree may not blossom, no food on the fig tree, the plants aren't producing, your work isn't working out. Nor fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no flood, 
though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. He says, even though we've got nothing right now, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice in the Lord. My joy is found in Jesus Christ, not in what I have. Not in if, if stocks are looking up. Not in if the economy's going well. Not in if the job got worked out. Not if I got hired this week. Not if I got the promotion. Not if I got the raise. Not based on any external circumstance. Based on the joy I have in the Lord, the God of my salvation. That is where my joy comes from. This is how I can hold on to the joy that Jesus Christ gave me, is I know it comes from Him and not from anything else. Because the source has the power. The source is where the power lays. If, If the joy is coming from my job, well then my job makes the ultimate decision in, in what I do in life. If my job is the source, if my spouse is the source, if my friends are the source, then they hold the ultimate authority in deciding how and what I do. Because that's the source. That's where I get what I need. But if Jesus Christ is my source, then nothing else matters because it's coming from Him and nothing else, nowhere else. And so, you know, I don't care if this is pulling me a certain way. I know that Jesus has said this, and so I'm going to go to Him because He is my source. The source has the power. And we know that Jesus is the source of our salvation and our joy. What we began looking at last week, and we're going to continue in today, is um, a few things that he's done for us and and, um, things we see in the scripture that guard our joy and releases our joy into our life. Now, none of these things are in and of themselves what brings joy, okay? Jesus Christ gave you joy. He gave you part of, that is part of grace that was obtained um, you know, by grace through faith. We got that when when we received Jesus. We got joy when we received Jesus. So what we're looking at now is how do we guard the joy? What are some things we can look to, to hold on to, to guard our joy, to rejoice always like Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians? And then the other part we're looking at is how do we release that joy? All right, so we looked last week. The first thing in Luke 10 said it's assurance of salvation. Um, the, The disciples, they were actually... They were full of joy because they had gone out to minister and they'd been casting out demons. They were performing miracles and, and I mean, they were happy about that. You know, I get happy when I see miracles happening. If, I, if I'm praying for somebody and they're getting healed, I'm going to get glad about that. I'm going to start rejoicing over that. And what Jesus said to them is don't rejoice about that. Rejoice instead in the fact that your name is written in my book in heaven. That you have eternal security, eternal salvation, and you can be assured of it because of your relationship with me. That's our primary place we look to guard our joy. Any other thing gets small in comparison to the fact that we have eternal security with Jesus. That we get to live in heaven with him and worship God forever. I mean, this is kind of a stretch, but it's kind of like nothing else matters. You know, that's the main thing. And so if we've got that main thing right, we can rejoice over that 
regardless of anything else. But we want to look at some other things too. And so we talked last week, and if you didn't listen, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and get it on our website. You can uh, listen to the message there. Or it should be on Facebook as well. Um, we talked about faithfulness, how that's uh, a, a behavior, a, a characteristic of us that will produce um, joy, or, or it will guard joy, rather. It will guard joy in our life. Obedience is another. Understanding, we looked at in Nehemiah, is another that will guard and release joy. Restoration is something that will guard and release joy and resurrection. And that, that's about as far as we got last week. And we talked about a lot last week. And so we're going to continue on talking about those things today. I want us to go to John 16, verse 24. And the next quality, um, the next thing we receive from God that I believe guards our joy and releases our joy is His supply. God's supply is an element of, of uh, guarding and releasing joy. John 16, 24 says, Until now... You've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You know, I thought about this and I kind of had the question, so is our joy dependent on receiving? And I would say, no. We have joy because of, of Jesus and, and that's settled. It, it's in us. But I believe that there is a gladness and a joy that comes when we're able to do what he has set us to do. That's kind of what we were talking about with the tithe and offering this morning, how he's the supplier. Here, Jesus had been walking with the disciples for roughly three years. They'd been going about and ministering, performing miracles, preaching the word um, you know, throughout uh, the, the Israel and, and that surrounding area. They'd been going around preaching. And he had been the source during that time, right? Jesus is the one who, you know, prayed and, and turned the five loaves and three fish into enough to feed 5,000 and their families. He was the one who did most of the healings. He had sent them out on some occasions to go and cast out demons and to preach the word. And now we were coming to a place where he was about to go to the cross and, and you know, be sacrificed and then he'd later resurrect and come back and appear to them again. And he was talking about here how, you know, you might be sad, you, you will sorrow for a time as I'm gone, but you are going to have a greater joy knowing that I, I rose again. And that was what we looked at last week with resurrection. Well, he goes on here and talks about supply. And he says that when you ask in my name, you will receive that your joy may be full. I believe the reason that he was saying your joy will be full when you ask in my name is he's saying you can have the security, you can have the confidence that I will provide the seeds you need I will provide what you need to do what I've asked you to do. And your joy will be full for that reason. Once again here, it's about our source. He's saying, you can look to me as your source even though you don't physically see me in front of you. Even though we're not walking together right now, I'm not going to give up being your source. I'm still going to provide what you need to do what I've asked you to do. I'm still going to come through when you're praying for people and you lay your hands on them and they're healed or the demons are cast out. I'm still coming through. You still have access to my supply because I'm not leaving. And that brings fullness of joy. See, it's, it's not about me having everything I need to do, everything I want to do. It's knowing that Jesus is still present. He is still with me. And when I know what I need to do what he's asked me to do, I can ask and I will receive because it's just like it was when he was walking physically. He's still here. I don't see him in the physical. I don't see his hands and feet right in front of me, but I know he's with me. And that brings 
fullness of joy, doesn't it? And so when the enemy wants you to feel like you're in a place of lack, you can say, well, no, because John 16, 24 says that I, when I ask in Jesus' name, will receive. And my joy will be full because he is still right here with me. And of course, we know in Philippians 4.19, it says that God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And so we know that there is supply to do what he's asked us to do. And that brings joy, doesn't it? And so we can guard our joy and we can release our joy in life knowing that we are supplied for in Jesus' name. Let's look at another thing that both guards and releases um, joy in life. Acts 2 verse 28, and then we'll also turn and read Psalm 1611. But Acts 2 verse 28 first, it says, You've made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. God's presence brings fullness of joy. Spending time face to face with Jesus will bring joy. Because he is the source. And so this is one that both it can guard our joy, but it, it will bring joy in as well. When we're spending time with him, it's filling our, our joy level up. It's, it's, it's given us more to hold on to. It, it's given us another moment in time where you can say, I was before Jesus, and man, I was glad. You know, when, when I worship Jesus, all the stuff that, that tries to take my gladness away, it, it just kind of goes away just kind of fades away. I mean, like standing here this morning, I, I couldn't tell you any of the stuff that happened this week. All I could tell you is how great God is. Yes. Like when I'm standing in worship, I mean, look, if you're doing it right, <laughs> if, if you're worshiping and, and praising and you're, you're totally focused there, everything else just kind of melts away. Because when you're focused on Jesus, when you're present with Jesus, he is depositing into your life. He is depositing what His grace purchased into your life. And so we receive joy in His presence. Let's look at Psalm 1611 as well. If we can have that up. It says, You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so we know that time in God's presence brings a fullness of joy. I think the other reason, aside from just the fact that you know, He is full and He is giving out of His supply of that to us when we spend time before Him and with Him, I think too that you know, just kind of about that thing like you become like the people that you spend time with. Have you ever heard that before? You, you become like the people you spend time with? I know that's true because uh, when, I was, when I was a little bit younger, I had a friend. His name was Jared. And Jared was a good old boy. He was a farm boy, and he loved farming. I mean, his life was tractors and crops and cows. And he was happy with that. He's a farmer today, actually. He, he, I think he runs a farm, small farm operation. And it was just always his desire. It was always what was in him was to be a farmer. Well, there was one summer uh, when I was growing up that... I went and, and I spent a, a period of, of weeks hanging out with Jared. I spent you know, probably half a week every week for like a month hanging out with Jared. And me and Jared would go out in the field, we'd play paintball, we'd go over and take care of the livestock, we'd shoot chickens with marshmallows out of a marshmallow shooter. I mean, we did all kinds of fun stuff, okay? We rode around in tractors, we rode around on dirt bikes, and after a little while of that, I started thinking, man, this, there's something to this farming stuff. <laughs> I think I want to be a farmer. <laughs> and I remember going home after a weekend at Jared's house one time, and I was talking to my dad, and I go, Dad, I think I'm going to be a farmer someday. He goes, Isaac, no, you're not. <laughs> he goes, you're such a city kid, you're never going to be a farmer. <laughs> 
And I mean, he's right. I, I, I'm not ever going to have a big farm operation. I, it, that's, that's not me. That's, that's not what I've been put on earth to do. It, it's, it's not my purpose. But spending time with Jared, spending that summer with Jared, he started rubbing off on me. What he had in him started getting on to me. And it's kind of the same way with Jesus. When we spend time with Jesus, what he's got in him starts getting on us. Starts getting in us. And that's kind of the difference is, you know, I can spend time with people and, and how I am on the outside might start changing a little bit. When I spend time with Jesus Christ, how I am on the inside is going to start to change. He's going to start making adjustments to me. He's going to start giving me what I need for, for this next step in life when I'm spending time with Him. And you know how we spend time with Jesus? Well, there are numerous ways. We, we can do it by spending time with His body. We're the body. We're, we're Christ's body on earth. We can, we can grow in our relationship with Christ by spending time with other people who He lives inside of. We can also grow by spending time with Him. We know in John 1 it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, which tells me that the Word is Jesus. So when I'm spending time in my Bible reading scriptures every day, I'm not wasting time. I am spending time with Jesus Christ. And that is a worthwhile thing to do. We can spend it, uh, just as we did this morning, in, in times of praise and worship or in times of prayer where we are getting before Him and we're saying, Lord, I'm here. I'm praising You. You are good. We can spend with time with Jesus a lot of ways. And when we do, He starts getting in us. And that brings joy because Jesus is full of joy. Amen? Amen? So this is one of the ways we can guard and release our joy. When I start feeling like I don't have joy, when the devil starts telling me all the reasons that I shouldn't have joy, I can just spend time with Jesus. I can get in the Word. I can, I can get before Him in prayer. I can spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I, I can get before Him in praise. And my joy will be guarded. I... I can't spend time in praise and worship and then walk away all mad or ticked off or upset or, or down or sorrowful. Like, when I spend time with my Lord, I leave full of joy. And don't you? Yeah. And so we can guard and release our joy in this way. Let's look at the next thing we can do to guard and release joy in Acts 8.8. 8. This is talking about hearing and seeing God's word and power. And here in Acts 8... What we see is that Philip had been out ministering. He had been in Samaria. And while he was uh, preaching out in Samaria and preaching the word, and he had been um, doing miraculous things, he'd been casting out uh, demons, he'd been uh, you know, dealing with unclean spirits, he'd been performing miracles, is what it says in verse 6 and 7. As we read here in verse 8, it says, And there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. Now, I want to make the distinction here. This one, this point is not so much about us guarding our own joy as it is releasing our joy into the world around us. Okay, this, this is what this point is about. Philip was out ministering. He was preaching the gospel. He was preaching and teaching the good news to people who had not heard it before. He was doing miracles, dealing with unclean spirits, probably healing. He, he was doing the work. Now, at first I read this and it kind of contradicted what I read in Luke 10. Because Luke 10 says, don't find your joy in the fact that you're casting out devils. Find your joy in the fact that you have assurance of salvation. I said, okay, well then why does it say that there was great joy in that city? And this is the difference. 
When, when God's word is preached and his, his power is shown and, and produced through people, it is not to produce joy in the individual that's preaching or, or in the individual that's you know, being used to perform miracles. It's to bring God's joy to the city. It's to bring jo God's joy to the people around you, to the individual that's getting an understanding or a revelation of the word. It's, it's to bring joy into the life of the individual who's maybe not experienced God's power before, but now they have. They've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It brings great joy when you have an encounter with Jesus. And so when we release our joy by preaching the word, by letting him do miraculous things through us, letting the Holy Spirit work, it brings joy to the world. Because it's Christ in action. It's, it's him living. It's us being his body on the earth for today. And people were full of joy when Jesus showed up. Well, most people were. The, the people who were preaching false things, the religious folks, they didn't like Jesus very much because he was rocking the boat. He was bringing a power and a true word that they hadn't been experiencing before and they didn't like that because it contradicted what they wanted. But the people who were open and the people who were preached to and received God's power, they were full of joy. Yes. When, when Christ performed a miracle, I don't know, I can't think of an account in the Bible where Jesus healed somebody and they walked away mad at him <laughs> or upset. They were rejoicing. They were going down the streets shouting about what Jesus had done to them. They were full of joy. It brings joy to a city when you're full of joy and you release it. When you're full of God's power and you release it. When you're full of the word and you start releasing it. It brings joy. The devil doesn't want us to believe that. He wants us to think, well, if I talk about the Bible, people aren't going to like it. People aren't going to like me anymore if I start talking about the word. But... This contradicts that thought. Acts 8.8 8 says something different. It says that there was a great joy in that city because the word was preached and God's power was in action. And I'll, I'll just make a note on this one too, okay? And, and I don't have a scripture to give you for this because I don't, I don't think it was an issue at the time, but even in the way we present God's word to people, you know, I think we can, we can be sensitive in the way that we do that too. When Philip was out preaching in Samaria... I don't think he was probably quoting Jesus in Matthew. You know, he didn't say, well, in Matthew 5, verse 23, it says, it wasn't put together yet. There wasn't a chapter and verse for him to quote when he was talking about the gospel. He just said what Jesus said. He just said, hey, I see that you have this, you know, problem in your life. Hey, I see this thing that's not working in your life. I've got an answer to that. I, I, I know someone who said the final word, who brought truth into my life on that. Would, would you be interested in hearing about it? You know, I, I think we can preach to the world without, like, preaching at them. You know what I mean? And that brings joy. Look, I, I've, I've sat down with Christians before and been, like, preached at. And it's not always a joyful thing. I think when Jesus brought the word to people, it filled them with joy. I think when we bring the word to people, it ought to fill them with joy. Because God, I mean, his word is really about loving us. It's, it's not that, oh, I just I want to let you know why you're bad. I want to let you know what you've got wrong. Jesus, the way he approached it was, hey, I love you enough that I want to fix this. I, I, I don't want you to keep driving around on, on bald tires with a, an engine that's got two cylinders out. I want to fix 
what, what, like, what's wrong. I want to come in and mend things in you, and I want to give you hope for eternity. That's what the gospel is really about. And so when we preach that, it should bring joy to other people because it is good news. It's a good message. And when I hear good news, I get full of joy. And so we should preach the gospel and fill people with joy in this way. Let's look at just one more um, about how we guard. This, this will be about guarding joy, but also about releasing it in Galatians 5.22. You've probably read this a few times before, but it's about the Holy Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And then the list goes on. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and, and so on. Joy is part of the fruit or the produce of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is in your life, this is what he brings with him. Uh, I was talking to Taylor uh, the other day about this message and what I was going to preach, and I talked about how on this part I had a little thought about how I could, you know, illustrate this. So just stick with me. Give me mercy on this, okay? Because I know two weeks ago I, I, I talked about how the Holy Spirit is kind of like Siri, and I felt like that was a stretch in, in how, you know, sh the Holy Spirit leads you in things. Well, to give you an illustration for this, and, and I really think it's good, the Holy Spirit could be likened, in a sense, to like a roommate. Look, I've lived with some roommates. I've lived with some really good roommates, and I've lived with some other roommates that weren't as good. <laughs> and good roommates bring good stuff with them. They, they, you know, they, they bring good conversation into the house. They bring uh, good you know, thoughts into the house. Like They bring good things. And then physical stuff. I mean, like, I'd love to have a roommate that just like, brought in a 70-inch TV and the latest you know, sound and subscriptions to every streaming service that there is and like, wanted to pay for all the bills. Like, that'd be a good roommate, right? That'd be a good person to have move in with you. Well... The comparison here is like, in that situation, I'd be the person who's like got a lawn chair. Because <laughs> I've been that person where I've got like a lawn chair in my apartment. And like I've got a small TV sitting on top of like a, a, a moving tub, like a plastic thing, you know. Like. But then I, I've got a roommate coming in who's got like leather furniture, leather everything, like all the latest gadgets and stuff. And they're saying, hey, you know what? You can use all my stuff. Treat it like it's yours. That's kind of what it's like with the Holy Spirit. He comes in and brings better stuff than what we've got in our life. You know, my life before the Holy Spirit was like the guy with a lawn chair and a plastic, you know, thing on the TV. But when he moved into my life, he brought in the good stuff. He brought in the joy and the peace and the love that wasn't there before. In a real way, in a full way, in a valuable way. And now that it's here, I want him to stay. I'm going to be saying, don't leave. Don't move out. He doesn't want to. He wants to stay with you. So I'm sure not going to be kicking him out. I'm not going to say, hey, Holy Spirit, why don't you move along and take all your stuff with you? Absolutely not. Please stay. Please stay. And I think even that is something that, that we can use in, in guarding against the enemy's lies and wanting to steal joy from us. We can say, you know what? Joy doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Holy Spirit. And he brought it in with him. So, if devil, if you want to mess with someone, you got to mess with him. Man, talk about resisting the enemy and making him flee. If I heard... Look, if, if somebody had to mess with me or mess with God, they'd probably pick me. 
because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as intimidating as, as God. So when you say devil, you can't touch that because it, do, it doesn't belong to you and it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And, and he's giving me access to it. And, and really, I mean, it does belong to us because it's a gift that's given, you know. But you can say, hey, I just want you to know, devil, like if you want to you poke around this, you're not just messing with me. I got a roommate who's a whole lot bigger, a whole lot stronger, so I wouldn't touch it. You better run away, devil. The Holy Spirit will guard the joy that you have. And I believe, too, he'll release it. Acts 2, 2 is talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. He moved in. And that's an experience that God wants us all to have today. He wants the Holy Spirit to fill you. He wants the Holy Spirit to move into your life and bring in all of the good things that he has. It's God's plan for us that we would be filled with the Spirit. In Galatians 5.25, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Act it out. Do it. Live like it's true. That's what this is saying. If, if we live in the Spirit, if we've got the Spirit with us and in us, then let's live like He's really there. Let's live like it's really true. Let's live like I've really got joy. Let, let me go into a place and, and be glad. Let me not walk around like I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. Jesus took that weight off. I'm, I'm full of joy. I'm full of love. I'm full of peace. Because it's what He brought into my life. I know it's there not because I earned it, not because I bought it, but because He brought it. Amen? And so we live it out when we're full of the Spirit. <laughs> To move on from our, our topic of what we can use to guard and release joy, I, I want to talk now about just how this is part of our new covenant life with Jesus. You know, this, this joy that we have is part of the new covenant that Jesus bought um, on the cross that he, he paid for with his blood. Psalm 30 verse 5 shows us how joy kind of came and went in the Old Testament. Now, this, this was for Israel. This was people that had relationship with God, but it was just a, a different relationship, a different covenant. And it says, For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You've probably heard that quoted before. I remember a song we used to sing in church where, you know, you have turned my morning into dancing. Anybody know that one? Yeah, so... We've, we've sung about this. You've probably heard this preached before. You know, joy comes in the morning. Weeping, I might cry all night, but I'll be happy again in the morning. <laughs> I, I don't believe that's our New Testament promise. See, in, in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, I believe that new joy came in the morning, even though they were sorrowful all night. I think they could have new joy in the morning because it was a new day. We, the priests had a new sacrifice this morning, so I'm clear again. I can, I can have joy again. I'm in relationship again. But in the New Testament, we don't have to wait for the morning to come to have access to our joy again. Because it's not dependent on any circumstance on the outside. My joy doesn't depend on when the sun rises and falls. My joy doesn't depend on whether the priest got in and sacrificed the bull this morning or didn't. My joy is solely dependent on the fact that Jesus Christ is in relationship with me. I'm in a covenant with Him. 
and I have assurance of salvation and eternity. And so my joy isn't found in a moment of the morning. My new joy doesn't come when I wake up. My joy is 24-7 for my life on this earth. 24-7 joy. I don't have to weep all night. <laughs> I don't have to cry all night. I can find joy any moment in time. That's good news. Isn't that good news? Our newness of life has come. And our newness of joy has come. You know, I, I actually I wrote this down. Because if you read it, this is New King James, but if you read it in the King James Version, it says that joy cometh in the morning. And maybe, maybe this isn't that amusing to you. I thought it was kind of a neat little quote. I said, our newness of life has cometh, and he stayeth. <laughs> our newness of life is found in Jesus. And that's where our joy is. And because he cometh and stayeth, my joy stayeth also. It doesn't leave. It, it doesn't have to wait for the morning to come again. It's here and it stays. Amen. And so we don't have to wait for it to show up. We don't have to go find it. It's already in us because Christ is in us. I want us to look at Abraham and talk about being fully convinced of this. In Romans 4, verses 20 through 21, we get a look at Abram, Abraham. It says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. This is the promise he's talking about um, Isaac. You know, his, his miracle son at the end of his life, he was old, his wife was old, they shouldn't have been able to have a child, and God made a promise. And he says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Not wavering, but fully convinced that God would fulfill the promise that he gave to Abraham. What if you and I lived every day the way Abraham lived with his promise of Isaac, where we were unwavering and fully convinced of what God has promised us? What if I approached every day fully convinced that I was full of joy? How would that affect the way that I handled situations? How would that uh, affect the way that I handle something unexpected popping up in my day? It would change everything. To be unwavering and fully convinced of the promise of God. It, it changes the way we live our life, doesn't it? And so I, I encourage you this morning in that approach life fully convinced of God's promise. Fully convinced. We can be fully convinced because Jesus is the source. It really, it goes back to this every time. Jesus is the source, and that is why I can be fully convinced. Because He is unchanging. Yes. Nothing is going to change the fact that Jesus took my sin on Him, went to the cross, was crucified, died, buried, rose again, and ascended to be in heaven until He comes back. Nothing that happens today is going to change that. And so nothing changes. Nothing causes wavering because it's, that's the source. If that's the source, then nothing that happens today is going to shake anything because it doesn't change what happened 2,000 years ago. Wrecked a car doesn't change what Jesus did. Bank accounts low doesn't change what Jesus did. Having trouble with this relationship doesn't change what Jesus did. Nothing can change 
what Jesus did. And so I'm fully convinced of the promise. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's go on and, and uh, continue here. I, I, would like, I would like to finish Joy Chose Me today. <laughs> and I think we can. Um, the, the final thing I want us to look at for this topic is the result, some of the results of living with joy. When we have joy in us, there is, is going to be a result from it. There, there is, you know, like a, a cause and an effect. The cause of joy being in me is it produces an effect. And so I want us to look now at, um, I have six, hopefully we get to all of them this morning, six effects of living in joy, six results of living with joy in you and on you. The first result of living with joy that I want us to look at, we're going to go back to Nehemiah 8 verse 10. And the first result is strength. We've probably heard this quoted before, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we talked about how we, joy comes in understanding. That was, that was uh, Nehemiah 8, 8 through 10 is what we looked at to see how joy comes um, when understanding is brought into our life. It's, it's, a, you know, it's a joyful thing to have understanding of the Word of God because then we can be obedient to it, we can be faithful in it, and those um, are, are part of guarding and releasing joy as well. So Nehemiah 8.10 says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this is the day um, holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I looked up this word strength, and in the Greek, it's ma'auz. Say that, ma'auz. <laughs> and this word, it, it, it defines as uh, a place of safety, protection, refuge, a stronghold. And so if we substitute this in, you know, this definition for ma'auz, for joy um, and, and strength, it, it would be that the joy of the Lord is your place of safety. The joy of the Lord is your protection. The joy of the Lord is your refuge. The joy of the Lord is the stronghold in which you are kept. Man, that is... To me, it takes on a different meaning when I read it that way. That the joy of the Lord is a place of safety for my life. And I, I can see that being true. I don't know if you, you can see that for yourself right now, but when I have joy in me, when I'm guarding the joy and holding on to the joy, or maybe we say, as a, a result of that, entering into a place of strength, I, I can see that when I have joy, I, I'm not deterred, I, I'm not thrown off course, you know, by what's going on around me, I'm, I'm not put into a different uh, attitude, put into a different mindset, put into a different uh, emotional state when I have joy. So if I'm holding on to joy, it, it's, it's security. It, it reminds me of, um, I, I, man, I didn't want to tell everybody this. I used to sell cars. I used to be a car salesman, okay? So I hope you all still think well of me. But I used to sell cars, and I remember uh, some years back, um, I was selling Toyotas, and they had come out with this new feature, a safety feature, where if you start veering out of your lane, it vibrates your steering wheel, and then on the really nice models, it would steer you back into the lines. Okay? It was a safety feature. It was to keep you from, you know, drifting off into the ditch or the other lane or whatever, all right? So it's a safety feature. And, you know, just as I talk about this right now, 
I'm remembering that safety feature that joy is kind of like that feature for our life. When we have joy and, and we start, if we start drifting off course with God, if, if you know, we're trying to go the path, you know, we're trying to drive the narrow path. Have you ever driven a narrow path? It's kind of hard. I, I hate driving narrow paths when I've got like semis going by me because it's just like you rattle and you think I'm going to go off. If you're driving the path, you're, you're on the narrow path that the word talks about. And your emotions or, or you know, situations start flaring up. That's one of the ways the devil wants to get you off the path, right? Have you ever, noticed, have you ever gone off the path when you're feeling different than usual? You're, you're emotionally in a different place than usual. Your thought is different than usual. For me, if there's a disruption in that, many times that's where I get off the path. And I, you know, got to get back on. Well, I think joy is like this safety feature on the cars. Where when we have joy, it's like lane alert. It's saying, hey, your emotions are going off track right now. Hey, this is, this is, this is the path. This is how we stay on the path. And, and when my emotions don't line up with the joy that I have, it's like that safety feature that's saying, hey, watch out because you're headed off course. Watch out, you're headed off path. Joy brings strength or safety because joy is a standard that keeps us on the narrow path to living. Emotionally, it keeps us on the path. It deals with our soul. It, it's like a safety guard for our soul is what joy is. It keeps us from veering off the path. Isn't that good? So joy, a result of living with joy, is the security uh, that we find in strength, the ma'aus kind of strength. Acts 2 verse 26 is the next thing I'd like us to look at as a result of living with joy. And this is hope and rest. Hope and rest come into our lives um, as, as a part of joy. This says, Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. See, these are all tied together. I'm not saying that joy produces rest or hope. But it all comes along as the same package. Okay, when you've got joy operating in your life, you're going to have rest and hope operating as well. And what I really like about this verse in Acts 2.26 is that it says, My heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad, my flesh will rest in hope. What that tells me is if I can get that lane alert right, if I can get joy right in my heart and in my mouth, what I'm, what I'm dwelling on on the inside and, and talking about, which is an indication of what I'm thinking about. If I can get these two things to be in joy, then my flesh will rest. My body can be at rest. My work can be at rest. My life can go to rest because I have the joy of the Lord and it is security, it is safety, and I don't have to produce this like thing on my own. My flesh can rest because I've already got the joy. Isn't that good? And so hope and rest come with joy. The next item I'd like us to look at as a result of living with joy is Acts 16, 25 through 27. An avenue for God's power. And the reason I believe that joy is part of an avenue or an ability for God's power to work through you is that joy is a result of faith. Joy is a result of faith. We could, we could probably even say it this way, that joy is an evidence of faith. When you have joy, it, you, like you have to have faith in order to have joy. 
You don't have joy without faith. And so when you have your faith, you ought to have joy working as well. You ought to have joy present as well. And so I, I see that here in Acts 16.25, it says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because he was in trouble. If the prisoners all escaped, you were in big trouble. Okay. What's amazing about this? Paul and Silas were locked in prison. And they were praising. They were glad. They were joyful. Even in a prison. They were full of joy. Because... Their joy wasn't based on what was happening around them. Their joy wasn't based on whether their hands and feet were free, whether they were laying on a beach somewhere. They were in a prison, and they were full of joy. And it's because of their faith. Now, I don't want to say that joy was the only thing in operation here that got them free, but it was part of the equation. And joy is part of the equation of God's presence working through you. God's power working through you in life. If you want to see God... Shake chains, get people free, destroy strongholds in other people's life. Get your faith and your joy up, and he'll do it through you. Praise him in the prison. Praise him in the moment of, of bondage, knowing that he has the power and the will to free you, that he wants you available to go and minister as, as he has set for you to do. Joy in operation, faith in operation, produces power. Amen. Hebrews 12, verse 2 is our next result of living with joy. And this says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand on the throne um, of God. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Joy is part of endurance. Endurance is a result of uh, joy. And expectation is part of that too. We, we briefly touched on this last week, how one of the things that's different between happiness and joy is that joy carries expectation with it. We see this in, in Hebrews 12 too. Jesus had an expectancy and an, endure, an enduring ability because of the joy that was set before him. Which means it, it wasn't present in the moment. When Jesus was being beaten and, and sacrificed on a cross, he was probably not feeling very glad about what was going on in that moment. But because it was joy set before, he could look beyond what was happening right now to the greater result that would come after. An expectation. And that expectation that, that was produced by the joy set before, it it produced endurance in him. We have an, an enduring ability in life when we have the joy of the Lord. When we find our joy in what Jesus has set before us, we will be able to endure difficult things. We'll be, we'll be able to endure people saying that they don't you know, agree with what we believe. Maybe they don't say it in a very nice way sometimes. We can endure that because we see the expectation ahead. We see the greater joy that comes at the end rather than the momentary gladness that we would experience if we just like quit talking about it. Yes. 
We don't stop because we know there is joy set before us. There is joy that will be found in eternity when we see people saved, when we see people enter the gates of heaven. That's where my joy lays. Look, I find joy in things that happen in life, but ultimately my joy has a set expectancy in the future. That I can endure difficult things today because I know there are greater things ahead. Amen? Amen. And this is part of life with the Lord. He, he gives us expectation for the future, and that expectation brings joy. And that, that joyful expectation will produce endurance. And so we ought to be people who can endure. The next, uh, we have two more that I want to look at. The next is unity in Romans 12, verse 15 through 16. I believe that mutual joy produces unity. This says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. The first part of that, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. He's talking here about the brotherhood, the unity within the body of Christ, that we ought to be a unified people, <clears throat> be of the same mind toward one another, you know, be on the same page, think alike, you know, have, have mindfulness about the kingdom. That's really the mindfulness he wants us to be in the same mind of, because look, I, I'm not going to think the same things every day as a mechanic does or a farmer does. Like We're, we're going to think about different stuff, but our mindset really ought to be kingdom-minded. Ultimately, that what I'm doing in life is, is for the kingdom. It's for my king. And so when we get on that same mindset and we rejoice with our brothers and sisters who rejoice and we weep with them when they weep, there's a unity that's produced, isn't there? Man, when you get around somebody and, and they have enough compassion and love for you, to, to take on what you're going through. You know, I, I think about the scripture that says, bear one another's burdens. And that's not talking about, we're going to like just all go through life burdened down with each other. You know, I'm, I'm going to carry my brother's burden until the end. No, it's talking about lifting that off of him, helping him lift it up and off and onto Jesus. Because Jesus took our burdens. But it takes a unity among us where I'm willing to rejoice with you when you're full of joy. I'm willing to weep with you when you're weeping, and I'm willing to go through this together with you. That's unifying. Sharing in joy unifies people. It unifies a body of believers. It unifies a spiritual family. So I just encourage you guys, share in each other's joys. Share, share in joy with me, share in it with the person next to you, share it with uh, the family next to you. Share in each other's joys. Because it will unify you to the body of Christ. It will bring a, a mutual unity among the brethren. And that's a good thing. You know Jesus wants a unified church. I believe this is one of the ways that it happens is the sharing of joy. And then the final aspect of joy, what it produces or, or what it uh, results in in our life, is 1 Peter 1 verse 8. It says, Whom having not seen you love... Though you now do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. This is talking about when we come into relationship with Jesus, our faith allows us to rejoice with joy inexpressible. And it says, full of glory. And the, the last thing that I believe is a result of living a life full of joy in us and on us is that God is going to receive glory. 
See, our joy isn't just something that fills a designed need in our life. It doesn't just you know, help us in, in being glad. But joy, and this kind of joy that comes in faith in Christ, it says it's full of glory. And I don't believe that that means glory to me. My joy doesn't bring me glory, but it brings Jesus glory. It brings glory to God for me to be joyful. You know, I think even for me, sometimes I've, I've kind of had this thought like, oh, well, I just, I just don't need to be happy. I just don't need to be. I'm a, I'll just deal with it. I'll bear my burden. I'll do it because I have to. I'll just deal with it. Have you ever had a thought like that? Man, that's the enemy. Because Jesus wants you full of joy. And not just so that your life, you know, is better. Not just so that you're glad, but so that he gets glory. That's really where it all comes down to is our life is supposed to be glorifying to God. And God doesn't get glory out of your life if it's all doom and gloom. Like, I, I, don't, I would not want what somebody who is full of you know, sorrow all the time and sad and gloomy all the time, I wouldn't want what they have. <laughs> Was you? I mean, I want what someone full of joy has. I want to go where the joy is. I want to go where the gladness is at. And I believe that's why it's glorifying to God when we're full of joy because it's a light to the world. It points people to Jesus. Someone says, well, why are you full of joy all the time? You say, well, it's because I don't have to earn it myself. Jesus gave it to me. Well, that points people to him. And that brings glory to God. And that's really what our life ought to be about is bringing glory to God. And joy is one of the ways that we can uh, point towards Jesus and point towards God. It, it produces, it's like an avenue for glory to go to God. Joy. You see why joy is, is so critical that we have in our life. Not only is it a, a need that, that we were designed with, but it's part of God's plan. It really is. It's part of God's plan for you and I to be full of joy. So that he might be glorified. And so joy chose me. Joy came into my life because Jesus came in. Jesus purchased joy on the cross and he brought it with him. The Holy Spirit, when he filled me up, he moved in and moved his joy in. Praise the Lord. Are you all encouraged about joy? Do you know that joy chose you? Do you know that joy is present in you today? Do you know how to guard your joy? How to release your joy? All right, well, I, I, I've been encouraged by this message, and so I would like us to just wrap this up by praying together. And I think what we ought to pray for is, well, first, we're just going to thank God. We're going to thank Jesus for the joy he brought in. Thank the Holy Spirit for bringing joy in. And two, I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would remind us of this, remind us of these things we've studied and looked at, and help us to guard our joy and release our joy into the world so that God might be glorified. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son. Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross and dying a sinner's death, beating death, hell, and the grave, Lord, and purchasing for us with your blood a new covenant, a new life, and a new joy that is, is not dependent on our sacrifice, on our earning, but is totally dependent on the grace that you have provided for us. God, I thank you for that joy that we all have obtained by grace through faith in you. Jesus, you're so good for bringing that. Holy Spirit, we thank you also for coming and filling us like we read about in Acts. Filling our life. And as you move in, you bring your fruit with you. You bring uh, what, what you have, joy, 
love, peace, and the other things that are written about in Galatians 5, we thank you that they come into our life and are present with us. And you've given it as a gift. You've given us access. We thank you for that joy, that kind of joy that's in our life. A kind of joy that has enduring capabilities, that's unifying, that brings you glory, God. For all of these things we've looked at, we thank you that joy is part of who we are as your people. It is a characteristic we have obtained in you, and we're so thankful for it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind all of us of what we've read about, what we've studied about in your word, Lord, these last couple of weeks. I pray that this topic of joy would be one that we continue to remember and to continue living in truth about. Lord, let us be a joyful people that you might obtain glory. That our joy would, would be the inexpressible kind that comes from knowing we are saved and we have assurance of eternity with you, Lord. And I pray, too, that <clears throat> that kind of joy, the inexpressible kind, would glorify your name. That people, many people, would come to know you because of the joy that we have. The joy we found in you. The joy that chose us. The joy that came to us. Not of our own works or doing, but of your goodness. We praise you for it. We love you, Lord. And everybody who agreed with that said, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, well, I encourage you all to come out this afternoon at 2 o'clock for, at 3 o'clock, at 3 o'clock, don't come at 2 o'clock, come at 3 o'clock for Pastor Dave's retirement party. We're going to have a great time this afternoon, so hope to see you all there. Other than that, stay warm, stay safe, go and be blessed. You're dismissed.